As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 242 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, the Giants have scored exactly 242 runs at home this year. Uh, I was going to, you know, that's fewer than four runs per game. I was going to make a comparison to the 2011 Giants. The 2011 Giants didn't score that many runs at home all year. So that's how bad that we cannot joke about the 2011 Giants offense. Uh, we just have to grumble a little bit about the 2023 Giants offense. Yeah, and so when you see, uh, if you're in Philadelphia like I am, and you see Zach Wheeler on the field, and he's a grizzled veteran now, and you think <laughs> back and, and it's like, wow, they traded that kid like that was 12 years ago they made that trade, Carlos Beltran. That's why they were so desperate. That's why they were able to to trade a guy who was, you know, ended, ended up being a pretty good pitching pro, uh, pitcher in the big leagues for a long time uh, for a rental player because that's how desperate they were in 2011. I don't know if they're at the same level of desperation with the offense as much as kind of the everything right now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a weird time. We were just talking before we started the podcast. You know, I'm in Philadelphia. They had a really, really ugly loss here uh, Monday night. You know, Wade Meckler obviously was a man on an island in center field. Um, but before that in Atlanta, you know, there really were one Tyler Rogers fluky home run away from uh, you know, winning a series against the Braves. And I think we'd have a whole different narrative about this team. And yeah, they've got a ton of flaws, but look, they're finding a way to win the close games just like they did in 2010. But a little tougher to, to have that narrative when they're they're now um, they've lost three or four on this trip. And um, and and, and the, everyone else in the, in the wild card race is, is finally catching up to them. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a little bit remarkable that they are uh, doing as well as they are still in that wildcard race. They're not buried. They're not uh, so far back that they have no hope. Uh, but since the All-Star break, they haven't hit particularly well. They uh, have had struggles with the pitching staff every so often. Uh, just not ideal. So we can really dive into that. Or we could go start by start. So let's see, Kyle Harrison has made 21 starts this year. We could just go through 1 through 21 and talk about them all. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the, the, the hype train is 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 starting. And I, I thought your piece was really good, kind of breaking down, okay, you know, let's look at Giants pitcher debuts and where they rank in terms of kind of uh, anticipation. And um you know, maybe this isn't the level of Tim Linscombe, obviously. Uh, I don't think it's the level of, of Matt Cain. Um, but uh, it's 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 otherwise pretty high up there. I mean, this is a guy that that everybody who has seen him pitch and who's evaluated him uh, says that he's special. And um, and he's got really special ability to miss bats. And, and he struck out, what, like 14 batters per nine innings all through the minor leagues. And, um, and maybe a little bit of bigger strike zone and getting more strikes uh, with his fastball at the top of the zone, which is what he does so well. Uh, will be something that can make him even, you know, pitch better in the big leagues than he did at AAA. That sometimes happens. So um, I think that happened for Patrick Bailey. He was a better player in the big leagues than he was in the minor leagues because uh, a lot of the skills he had uh, worked uh, in big league competition where maybe they didn't in sloppier competition. So I guess you could sort of go into the start hoping for that. I wouldn't hope for a complete game. I wouldn't <laughs> hope for him to strike out 20. I mean, he's probably going to throw like three innings and be used mostly as a bulk starter. Uh, so I guess you can only get so excited about that, but um, you know this is a kid who's who's got a lot of good things going in his way, and and uh, and, and the Giants certainly think he's going to be a big part of their next really successful run of teams. Yeah, I think about uh, I go back to the walk rates that Camilo Duvall. Uh, had in the minor leagues. And when he was called up uh, to the Giants for good, he was walking seven batters per nine innings. I mean, it was only in 30 innings, whatever. But he was it was a similar profile, striking out the world, but also walking the world. But when you get to the majors, it's kind of like, we've got our team of best men working on this. You know, I got a team of best uh, best coaches, best. It's it's different. You've got Patrick Bailey now is going to be trying to steal those strikes at the top of the zone. He's one of the best in the game at stealing pitches. Uh, You're going to have coaches who are a little bit uh, you know, more, that's why they're in the major leagues. That's why they're coaching in the major leagues. You're going to have the quants are going to give him data. That's a little bit better than maybe he was getting, uh, in Sacramento. That's why those analysts are in the major league. So I don't think it's fair to look at a player's, what he did in the minor leagues and then just copy and paste it into the major leagues. I don't think it's fair to expect that he'll get better either. I mean, there, there should be some growing pains and some bumps in the road, but they're calling him up now because he can get out and he can miss bats and he can do things that other pitchers can't do. And, it's it's pretty exciting. We are, you know, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but it's it's different for prospects now than it was, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it's just the the hype is is so built in for the prospects. And Harrison is arriving with almost as much hype as the Giants pitcher has had. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that uh, he obviously is coming up at a time when they need him. I mean, if they had to script this, he would be coming up at home and uh, the Giants wouldn't be flying his family 2,300 miles to Philadelphia. They'd be, you know, picking him up in a limo and, and driving him 30 miles from Walnut Creek or wherever they live. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I think that this is something that really is also a response to 
what the team needs right now. And, you know, the way they've run their pitching staff and when they were 15 and five using openers, they could absolutely point to it and say, look, this is working. This shows us we should do more of it. It's not always going to work. And it's not always going to be the fault of the opener. A lot of the, the losses they've had in the opener since then have been because they haven't hit enough. Um, you know, there really, I think, has only been one or two games where they've given up a crooked number in the first inning, maybe even just one game. And, uh, you know, the opener, I don't think, was the reason that they lost uh, last night. Um, you know, there, there are probably a lot of other reasons for that. Why is Sean Manaya not throwing his changeup anymore? Why, why is, you know, uh, um, why is a defensive outfielder of Conforto, Jock Peterson, and Wade Meckler in the major leagues together? I mean, it's uh, hmm. there are a lot of other things you can point to um, in that game last night, uh, that that wasn't really the fault of the opener, but I think this whole pitching plan is predicated on Logan Webb and Alex Cobb being really good and and really effective and throwing deep consistently into games, and uh, and 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 those are sort of the replenishment days for everybody else, and that's a lot of pressure to put on those guys. I mean, it, it you can do that for a little while, but can you do that for the last you know forty games of the season? I don't know. So, you know, Kyle Harrison is really needed, I think, at this time to 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 help because you know, this, the, the whole pitching plan, I think, was starting to take on a little bit of water. And I think they're really hoping that he can arrive with a, a, a very, very big bucket. Yeah. And I, it's funny to watch, to go through the eyes of the Phillies fans, because I was uh, doing a little trolling and, and going around, uh, trolling in the classical sense, you know, where you're uh, like fishing very slowly and just looking for things uh, that Phillies fans are saying about the Giants. And one thing that kept coming up was just they were laughing that the Giants had two starters, basically. And they're saying, that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. I, man, their pitching staff is going to melt. And I've stopped thinking about it as a two-man rotation and started thinking about it like a seven-man or eight-man rotation. It's just it, not quite the classical way that it's being implemented, but it's basically an eight-man rotation. It's not overtaxing the bullpen. The problem lately, well, you've got Desclafani gone, uh, Ross Stripling, you know, he's gone, Keaton Wynn hurt. You start losing all these pieces, and then all of a sudden you are scrambling for innings, and you're trying, you've got Sean Jelly up, and you're trying to make that work a little bit, and you're maybe extending this guy a little bit more than you were in the past. So Kyle Harrison can help the Giants get back to that six, seven, eight man rotation that they're kind of sneakily putting under the radar. You know, it doesn't matter that Scott Alexander comes in the first inning rather than the the seventh or the eighth. It's still kind of like a starting pitcher. They just need more bodies now that everyone's hurt. Yeah. You know, and, and when scouts or other writers or people in press boxes ask me, what, what, what are the Giants doing uh, from the pitching perspective? I say, look, they have two starting pitchers that are sort of like capital S, capital P starting pitchers. And then they have basically five starting pitchers that they mush into the other three spots. And you know, you look at Sean Manaya, and he told me last week, he said, I have never felt as physically or mentally fresh in August as I ever have in my career. And, you know, the results in his last, you know, six or seven outings uh, show it. I mean, he's absolutely been dominant. His fastball has been you know, really, really a, a dominant pitch. And, um, you know, and maybe you can make an argument that this is the way to get the best performance out of him. And he's, he's doing a lot better than he would if he were used conventionally. And he was sitting there with 120 innings on his arm right now instead of, you know, uh, uh, 70 or 80 or whatever it is. But, um, but, but you know, it's, it's, it doesn't work for everybody. And it, it only works if, you know, you get um, – those replenishment days from Webb and Cobb and, and Cobb has been a little wobbly lately and, uh, and, and Webb is not going to give you a gem every single time. So, 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's, you definitely need to have, uh, those optionable arms that you can bring up and down and Keaton Wynn is, is now back pitching at AAA. So that's a good sign. Maybe he can be an option again soon. And who's to say that, you know, it, that they can't, uh, you know, option Harrison and bring him back if they need to, to try to keep, um, I guess the, the train going with fresher arms. I, I don't think they want to do that. I think the, the goal was bring him up and he's here to stay, but, um, you know, if, if, it does. It wouldn't be a failure if they have to send him out and and get a fresh arm up. So um, yeah, it's it's honestly. I, I think that pitching has been okay. I mean, if they catch the ball in Atlanta, they they hold the Braves to three runs a game. That was Patrick Bailey's point to me after the final game there, and that's pretty darn uh, pretty darn uh, impressive. Um, so you know, they're, they're still finding a way to to be competitive. I think in in the grand scheme of things, from a pitching standpoint. But it's, it's the offense that's just really holding this team back from, from kind of getting on a roll again. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I go back and forth. I, I look and I, I look at the, this group of players and say, this group of players, give or take a couple, they were hitting just a couple months ago. They were, the Giants were a perfectly fine offensive team. When they were really hot in June, they were just thumping the ball and it's these same guys. And then I, I go back and forth where can that happen again? Well, you saw it happen there, but you watch these at bats and they're just not competitive. The Giants are hitting 180 or something with the bases loaded. A lot of the hits that they're getting, they, they have, you know, two dozen hits or something this year at the bases loaded and, and more than a couple are dribblers and infield hits and things that, that bounce off of uh, Dylan Covey and stuff like that. Something is, is amiss with their approach. If the plan is to wait for your pitch and do damage on it, something's happening where they're just not getting that pitch. They're not doing damage on it when it's in a hittable zone uh, and it's throughout the team. And it's, it's really hard to watch. Yeah. I think you nailed it. They're not doing damage. That's exactly right. They're scoring their runs on, you know, uh, double play grounders with the bases loaded and sacrifice mm-hmm. flies and, and a single, you know, two out single here and there. And they're not scoring runs with a three run Kyle Schwarber tank job that goes 450 feet, you know. And they were getting those in the first half and not just in Mexico City. But um, but that's <laughs> it's totally like gone. When's the last time they hit a like a concussive three run homer in the first inning to put up like a five spot? I mean, you have to do that sometimes. And, you know, when, when Gabe Kapler was, was analyzing the, the game, uh, Monday night's game, the 10-4 loss at Philadelphia, he said there was a lot of notes in that game, uh, notes that he would probably rather gloss over, but um, he said for him the game was lost in the first inning because he managed Aaron Nola. He knows that Aaron Nola uh, can sometimes come out a little bit wobbly, and uh, you got to get him. you got to really get him and do some damage against him then because if you allow him to settle in, then he's going to put you to sleep. And I, I remember 
watching a lot of Tom Glavin starts that were that way. You know, the guy's in the Hall of Fame, but he really had a hard time the first time through the lineup for some reason because that's counterintuitive, right? But but it's it's that way for some pitchers. They have to find their way early, and then they find it, and then they cruise. And and for him, uh, Johan Camargo bouncing into a, a double play with one out in the bases loaded in the first inning was kind of the ball game. And, uh, um, you know, it's, I think that we've seen a lot of those situations where the Giants just – minimize potential big innings and and they end up you know trying to win with jabs and you know that's not really a way that you can win when you're playing the Rangers and Rays and Braves and Phillies and Braves again and these teams all throw haymakers you know so uh that that's just that's just how challenged the Giants have been organizational philosophy of strength in numbers right it's going to be uh the chain is as strong as the weakest link and uh you're going to have uh, just a preponderance of players that are going to do good things more often than not. The Giants are built around the idea that they're going to have 26 players on the roster who are worthy of a 26-man roster spot that are doing good things for that role. And so the way I always put it is that you have a lot of guys, uh, an absence of guys who are like, oh, no, not this guy again, right? When they're when the Giants are going well, you're not thinking about anyone who comes up, any of the matchups that Kapler's playing, any of the pinch hitters, you're not going, oh, man, not this guy. Well, right now you have a lot of those guys, whether it's young players who are uh, struggling a little bit to adjust to major league pitching, whether it's uh, guys like Camargo who are floating through the system and maybe not long-term pieces. You have a, just a ton of guys when they're up. You're not expecting competitive at-bats. You're not expecting good things other than Wilmer Flores and maybe Lamont Wade Jr. It's just not happening right now. And you're not getting a ton of uh, support from Peterson, from Conforto, uh, J.D. Davis, not all the time at least. And so it's it's a bad mix. You just There's players that maybe shouldn't be on a 40-man roster just yet or in the future, and you have veterans who are struggling, and it, it makes a pretty noxious cocktail. Yeah, I was I was pretty stunned when I looked this up and I wrote about it in Atlanta. Um, you know, the Braves, uh, you know, obviously are the best offense in baseball, uh, but it's not just Acuna and Olsen who, if, if one's not the MVP of the league, the other one is, uh, or or even Austin Riley. I mean, you get to their seven, eight, nine hitters and their combined OPS from those three spots uh, are the best in the major leagues. And the Giants were the worst in the major leagues, dead last in the major leagues. And that can't happen because it's those spots where they get an incremental advantage over other teams. That's how it's supposed to work because they don't have the superstars. They don't have Mookie Betts. They don't have Freddie Freeman, but they can beat you with the depth. And by having, you know, I, I look back at the 2021 team and there were 14 offensive players on that team with an OPS plus over 100. So better than league average, 14. 14 different players. And that doesn't include like Alex Dickerson was a 95. So he was pretty close. Um, and now you go, you know, ahead to, to this year's team. And, you know, I, I looked at percentage of plate appearances that they've given to people with an OPS plus um, above or below a hundred. And it's almost 50, 50 um, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, how many guys with an OPS plus over a hundred have gotten uh, plate appearances. And, and there's only, Eight of them. And one of them is Darren Ruff. And we're talking 2023 Darren Ruff, who we saw for five minutes. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been it's just been bleak. You know, Wilmer Flores is the only, you know, very, very above average offensive player on this team. And I think that you can probably say Lamont Wade Jr. belongs in that category by virtue of what he's done, you know, with with, uh, you know, with with walking so much. But but, you know, even that is is sort of a skill that's marginalized when you're playing on a team when nobody can drive you in. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, 
you know, a lot of air has just gone out of the balloon for a lot of guys, and it can be health. In the case of Yastrzemski, a Hamaker, a Crawford, it can be, um, you know, uh, maybe guys taking their lumps in the big leagues as 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 they will, as rookies will, whether it's Matos or or Schmidt or or even Bailey, uh, you know. But it's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it just hasn't. They haven't had enough offensive production. But good for you, Wilmer Flores. Keep going, Wilmer. <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine if he weren't raking? Uh, but it goes back to the same thing. It always does, and it's always I run him around in circles in my own brain, trying to diagnose and, and see what might happen. But it's always it comes back to the farm system. It comes back to the years before this, where there weren't players folded in that could be a part of the team's future. So you focus on guys like uh, Brett Wisely and uh, Mark Mathias and and Johan Camargo, like the guys who were there and you, man, this guy maybe shouldn't be on uh, a competitive 26-man roster. I'm not so sure about this. But they're there because you didn't have guys getting folded in in the past. You know, Austin Slater is, is the notable exception. But I'm not saying that you, you know, it's all the fault of Casey Schmidt and Luis Matos and, and Wade Meckler because they're not hitting. I don't think that they should be expected to hit just yet. But getting guys like that to hit from now until the foreseeable future, that's the secret sauce. That's where you can look at Tyra Estrada's 106 OPS plus and say, that's fine. That's perfectly fine with the defense he's playing. Where you can look at a DH like Jock Peterson, uh, who can go through power outages for a little bit of a time. Uh, you can say, that's fine because we've got uh, this guy and he's, he's humming. And we've got uh, that guy that we brought up and he's allowing us to do this. That hasn't happened for the last several years. They're trying to get it all done right now. It's just it's a it's a bad mix of uh, folding in the new talent and the older talent not helping out that much. Yeah, and they're making moves that they really don't want to make. I mean, they have to keep Wilmers at bat in the in, at bat in the lineup, and so you know they, that means he has to DH some, and that means that Jock Peterson is in left field, which is the last place they wanted to see him after seeing him there last year. Um, so yeah, they're making a lot of suboptimal choices, but. You know, I, I, I want to get your thought on this because, you know, it's one thing to, you know, bring up a bunch of randos and, and have them sort of fill in. You know, the Giants are doing it from within. They're doing it from the farm system. They're calling up, you know, players that you've heard of, some of them uh, top prospects. And uh, obviously some of them still have with a lot of development to, to go, whether it's in the minor leagues or in the big leagues. Um, do, how does that change your perception or your level of, I guess, frustration or or um, how you feel about where this team is just organizationally, um, given that, you know, they're, they're, they're actually trying to, you know, I guess, work this from within rather than, you know, sort of fly by night guys that, you know, are, are only here for five minutes. Yeah, I I like it in theory. It, it kind of reminds me uh, of a lesser version of the Warriors two timeline thing that they were trying, and they're trying to figure out James Wiseman on the fly, and you know they're trying to okay, what do we have with Moses Moody stuff like that? Uh, it's a lesser version of that, but I I like it in theory. But you need to let guys struggle and struggle often. And you just couldn't do that with Casey Schmidt's struggles were just too profound to, to let him keep doing that. I think Luis Matos, you can probably get away with him and his kind of struggles a little bit easier. I, it's too early to say what we have. 23 at-bats for Wade Meckler. Uh, yeah, he, he's got the strikeout thing going, but 23 at-bats is 23 at-bats um, or plate appearances, I should say. So I 
I, I like the idea. It's what the Giants need. Listen, they need, they cannot survive on Lamont Wade's uh, alone. They cannot survive on finding the next Mike Yastrzemski or Alex Dickerson. We've always known that. We've always known that there's going to come a time where they need to stop relying on, on those sorts of short-term free agents, uh, guys like Michael Conforto who are uh, maybe dinged up in the, at Nordstrom Rack and you're thinking, oh, you know, that's a that's a perfectly fine cashmere sweater. Uh, it's just got a little dot on it and they're trying to to get these guys and fix them up it's not sustainable and we've always known that and so at one point they were going to either a have to fold in all these guys and their immediate successes like what the Braves do they call up a guy and it's like Michael Harris the third oh I'm great now that can happen but it's probably not going to happen you're going to have a lot of struggles a lot of learning curves you're going to have a lot of uh, leagues adjusting to Patrick Bailey and Casey Schmidt when they're a little bit too aggressive you're going to have all that stuff and it might be at odds with clawing and scratching for the final wild card spot I, I think it needs to happen though and I'm never never annoyed when I see Luis Matos making out. I'm never annoyed when I see uh, Wade Meckler take a pitch that's a little bit too close, but I do get a little bit annoyed when it's uh, Mark Mathias, you know, not to be rude to him, but it's if it's uh, Johan Camargo bouncing into the double play, that's a little bit harder to stomach. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. And um, I think that that's probably a sentiment that a lot of people will share. Um, we have kind of a situation here with Wade Meckler in particular because he's a guy who was an eighth round pick last year, uh, a guy who you know I, I he, you you tend to I guess if you call him scrappy it could be used as a pejorative, um, you know he's he's somebody who doesn't have the draft pedigree, um, he's undersized, um, and you know I think he's one of those players who uh, has that sort of confirmation bias attached to him where if he struggles. Everyone's going to immediately go, oh, yeah, we were right. We were right about him, right? I mean, right. we've seen these kind of players. And and he's in the big leagues after 92 games. Uh, and he's on the 40-man roster when they didn't have to roster him to protect him from the Rule 5 draft until prior to the 2026 season. So, I mean, it is an inconvenience if this does not work out and he's taking up a 40-man spot that they could otherwise really use to protect somebody else in November or you know, just for, uh, you know, they have a lot of outfielders already on the 40 man. And, uh, and that's before they add back Mitch Hanniger, which they're going to do, you know, somewhat, somewhat soon. So, you know, they, they really did kind of go out on a limb here, uh, by, 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 uh, promoting him and the optics have been horrible. They've been really bad. And, and, and it's only 20 something, uh, plate appearances. And, um, you know, I, I think he is getting used to the idea that, He's going to see pitch different shapes of pitches in in different counts than he's used to, and that's an adjustment. You know what's worse, uh, a Casey Schmidt who lights the league on fire, and then the league adjusts to him because he swings at everything, and then he struggles for a month, and uh, or, or a Matos who also kind of did the same thing uh, to a lesser extent. Or what if you have those struggles right up front? Uh, do you give the young player a chance to adjust to the league? I, I think you do. You know, I, I think you do. I don't think you necessarily say, well, this was a huge mistake. But the optics have been really bad. They really have. And so I definitely empathize with Giants fans who were like, what are we doing here, people? Um, but I think that Wade Meckler will get a little more rope. And, um, you know, honestly, he has made a couple of hard outs. And he was very, very accountable when we talked to him after a very difficult game on Monday. He was stood up right in his locker, answered every question. Um, so, but this is something that the Giants are very intently focused on. Gabe Kapler is borderline paranoid about everyone burying Wade Meckler. Uh, they, they really are trying to get behind him. 
because they invested a lot uh, in him, and um, you know they took a big risk. But I, I wonder how you feel. What, 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 where, where do you think? Uh, what do you think about this whole situation? I, it's it is they really did not have to. I mean, we talked about this uh, quite a bit, uh, both on and offline. Where it's uh, they did not have to add him. They there was not a lot of pressure coming from the fans. Uh, there was a little bit, you know, on Twitter. But it's uh, you had people who would totally understand if this kid who was drafted last year just kept plying his his trade and hitting four hundred in Sacramento. Uh, I. I think he's going to be fine. I really do. He's not going to strike out 56% of the time. That's not his game. He's a bat-to-ball guy. In 23 plate appearances, he hasn't gotten the bat on the ball. Yeah, Major League pitching is hard. He was, uh, you know, I don't know exactly who Oregon State was playing in 2022, but I'll bet there was a funny team. I'll bet you I can look at the Oregon State uh, schedule, and there's going to be a West Kennesaw State you know, text team that he's been raking against. And that's what he was doing last year. So it's going to be an adjustment, but I I think he's going to be fine. I really do. And that might be homerism, but with Matos and Meckler, you've got two undersized guys who are going to have to put the bat in the ball, have to spray it around. uh, And it's going to be a little bit of a rough adjustment, but I think both of them will be overall fine, just given enough time. They're young, they're inexperienced. Uh, I'm way more worried about Casey Schmidt. I'm way more worried uh, about, you know, some of the other young players. It's just Meckler, I think, will be fine. And I do like hearing that the Giants will give him a little bit of rope. It's a tough situation. I mean, it's, again, he's just, he's an undersized guy and he has to spray the ball around. And he's not the type of player that you're used to seeing in the major leagues right now. Uh, but 23 at-bats, I, I think he'll be fine. You know, I was watching um, uh, some of the highlights of the Blue Jays game the other day, and Bo Bichette came back uh, from the injured list and had a big game. And you know, I was watching his swing, and there's a little Matos in there. There's something mm. that reminds me of Matos in that, and just how he sort of flicks the bat through the zone. And the difference is that Bo Bichette has, you know, 25 pounds on Luis Matos. And he's, <laughs> Matos is only 21 years old. And I think that, you know, not to say that Matos can be, you know, Bo Bichette, who's, who's going for a batting title right now. But, you know, if he gets a little stronger, and he's only 21, um, I think that he's got the, the, the chance to be a little bit more of a complete hitter. Um, you know, Meckler obviously is someone who is, um, you know, uh, I, I it's funny, I was even thinking this, and then someone mentioned it in the comments. He's kind of like Dan Gladden a little bit. And, mm. and maybe it's because, you know, you, you comp him because the of the red hair, I guess. But, <laughs> right, the mustache. <laughs> the mustache, really, it makes all the difference in, in his skill set. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he, the Giants' problem is that they're not, you know, doing damage. And Wade Meckler is not a guy who's going to do damage at the plate. He's a guy who can, you know, uh, put the ball in play. Uh, he's a guy who can make some action happen. Um, you know, certainly uh, those skills, I think, are important, and you have to have a blend of skills in every lineup. I mean, Tyro Estrada, I think, is important for that same reason. But, you know, I just don't know what kind of impact, uh, you know, he can make uh, on this team if, you know, some of the, the guys who are supposed to park the ball in the seats don't start parking the ball in the seats. But, um you know, it's it's uh, it, the pieces on this offense just aren't fitting super well right now, and um, they're not turning the lineup over, uh, and they don't have a lot of depth to the lineup. Um, so, you know, they're trying. They're, they're trying to figure out some way that they can sustain some rallies, but I think it's it's not going to change until Michael Conforto, Jock Peterson, 
JD Davis, you know, start, you know, putting some balls in the seats. Yeah. I mean, specifically with, with Matos, you think, uh, man, he's, you, you think, you know, the player that he is already, the Angels just called up one of their first round pick from this draft, this draft, Nolan Shenwell. And he's what, two weeks younger than Luis Matos? Like Luis Matos is basically the age of a draft pick out of college this year. And, yeah. you know, he, he's going to get bigger. He's going to get, uh, ideally, he gets a little bit stronger. And it's, it's almost like when you look at it, this is a terrible comparison, and I'm not even sure where I'm going with this. But when you look at Michael Jordan's line in, in uh, the minor leagues, where he's hitting, what do you have, like a 600 OPS? And you're thinking, God, he was terrible at baseball. But when you would just for context, and it's this guy didn't play baseball. It's actually a little impressive. And I feel that way with Matos right now with a 650 OPS. No, that's not good. But again, he's 21. He was scuffling an A ball last year, a 650 OPS, even getting that on base percentage over 300 and having a 313 on base percentage. It's not unimpressive to me. I mean, he's not raking the ball. He's not helping the team offensively, but he's not embarrassing himself. And I think Meckler will get to that point and he'll stop. He won't embarrass himself. I'm not saying he's going to ride in on a horse and save the Giants offense, but I think he's going to stop striking out 50% of the time, put more balls in play, gap to gap guy. And I, I think it'll be a little bit better, but right now nothing's working from Peterson on down. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it, it's funny you mentioned Shanul. He's the first guy from the 2023 draft class to make the big leagues, and he's an angel. Meckler is one of only four guys from the 2022 class to make the big leagues. The other three players, angel, angel, angel. <laughs> All what's going on in Anaheim? I mean, they've called up four guys uh, from the 2022 and beyond draft classes when only five total in the big leagues have been called up. So. They obviously have a lot of blank spaces and blank canvas in their minor league system to skip over, I guess. But uh, hey, at least these kids can say they played with Shohei for a few weeks. Yeah, right. They are uh, throwing spaghetti to the wall. Um, but yeah, that, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, Michael Jordan, 51 walks and 497 plate appearances in his career. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Good job. I Michael have to Jordan. tell you, I have to tell you, you cannot bring up Michael Jordan playing baseball without me letting you know that when he played his only game in a major league stadium, he played the Cubs-White Sox uh, uh, exhibition game uh, at the very end of spring training, back when there was no interleague play. Uh, so it was a little bit more of a, a big deal. And uh, it was at Wrigley Field. It's the only time that I did not sit in the, the left field bleachers because right field sucks. I sat in the right field bleachers because Jordan was playing right field. So I got to watch Michael Jordan play right field from the right field bleachers. And he hit this little duck snorty, like, like, uh, like two hopper over the, just over the third base bag. And that uh, brought in the tying run and the game ended, I believe in a tie, if I remember correctly. So he actually had, he actually had a super ugly, but still uh, counted as an RBI hit in that game. And, uh, and, and the fans just cheered, cheered, cheered. I mean, it was so much fun. Um, so that was that is a good memory for me. I can actually say that I watched Michael Jordan get an RBI hit at Wrigley Field. Not too many people can say that. All right. This has been episode number 242. <sighs> we'll be back next week, hopefully to talk about stuff that's more fun. This has been a drag for like two or three weeks in a row. So uh, let's uh, let's get on it, Giants. We'll be back next cha -cha. week. See you then. <laughs>